edge of my seat. <laughs> Why are you on the edge of your seat? Because we started recording. We're not doing anything. Oh, there's always a little bit of dead time while we get make sure we're uh, getting ourselves together. Right, and we're together. Of... Welcome right. back to the Hex Drinkers podcast. Eric, fucking shut up so I can do the intro. <laughs> I did. <laughs> it's episode uh, 18. 18, get, getting close to that. That double tens. Uh, I'm Julian. I'm joined by Eric. Hello. Oak. Hello. I can finally hear you this time. <laughs> and Chev. Yep. And we are a longtime playgroup journeying the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. And this particular day, we have journeyed to one of our favorite planes, and that is the Gallows, the Sacrificial Altar. Chev, what are we doing today? We're roasting, baby. Roasting and toasting. Hey, I, I must have missed the notes. Who are we roasting? I, I didn't... I must not have heard. I, I, Is this a joke about how long it to- took you to uh, put the deck in the notes, Eric? Are no. you starting off the self-roast early? No, this was just... I was trying to make a meme that you guys are going to be like, roasting you, idiot. But, <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, no, I'm, well, I'm sorry that I have a real down. job just, just and a different... am busy sometimes. Dang. I really... We came with our pitchforks and Eric was like, no, 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 it's fine. I'll... I'll I'll lay down on the pyre myself. Like I'm, I'm good. Just fucking light me up. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, Chev, this is a a format that we have visited once before. But would you kindly remind the viewers uh, how we do this thing? We're not a, uh, we're not savages. We have a a method to our madness. We have rules. Exactly. Um. So the the uh, person who has put themselves down on the pyre, in this case, it will be Eric. Uh, well, is going one, to one briefly... sorry, one second. I, I will say. We, we previously roasted myself. I offered myself up, but we decided that as we go through these roasts, whoever was previously roasted gets to now, uh, you know, pull back their fellow crabs in the barrel. So I said, Eric, you're, uh, you're taking the fall with me. So Eric did not choose to be roasted. He was, he was volunteered. He was voluntold. But I, exactly. I have he was voluntold. gone into it gracefully, I hope, in terms of being <laughs> well, prepared. In about 45 for minutes, we'll of... find out. So, some deck... A deck that I think makes some people a little upset sometimes. Myself included. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, Chev, please. The the format will be Eric, um, who has been voluntold, uh, will explain the deck that is being roasted today, kind of go into the inspiration for it, um, an overview of how it's supposed to play, at which point each of us will take a turn kind of giving our own fresh opinions on it, um, particularly ones that we find a little bit humorous and probably jab fun at the deck and its creator. At which point, the, the deck owner will be able to rebut any of our claims to its uh, general mediocrity or, uh, you know, badness in any sense. And then we'll kind of go to a quick intermission, grab drinks, cool off, and then we'll talk about how to build this deck up after we've broken it down. So really, it's, you know, a healing process um, at the end of the day. And that's that's really what we're about. Amen. Sounds good. Well, Eric... Um... Uh, this is your uh, this is your death row. So why don't you why don't you uh, prepare your final statement? Yeah, tell us what we're cooking. Uh, yeah, for my final meal, I'll be having uh, perhaps one of my favorites of all time, and also something that is a little bit a little bit sour to look back on. Joda Archmage Eternal uh, is the commander of the deck. From that, I hope that you all. Im- Sorry, for those who don't know, Joda Archmage Eternal is one blue, red, white for a flying 4-3 human wizard. Uh, It's also as a second ability that's a little bit relevant to what the deck does, which is 
you may pay Wooberg rather than the mana cost for the spells that you cast. So, the entire point of the deck is just to do gigantic, stupid Timmy stuff. You just want to cast the largest spells in all of Magic and do the biggest things. Uh, the deck's typical route to winning is Omniscience into Mewing of Seeing Winds, which draws cards equal to the number of permanents you control, and then uh, hopefully find something that makes all of your large creatures cantrip when they enter the battlefield, uh, find a haste enabler, swing, kill everybody. That can sometimes take a minute, but I'm sure some people will get into how long that sometimes goes on. Uh, but yeah, it's a great deck, it's super cool, and you just get to play all of your biggest favorite spells. Would anyone like to explain anything else about the deck? Just just add on to my description. Why don't Why don't you pick uh, who who jumps on first, uh, Eric? Oakley couldn't look <laughs> more ready <laughs> to destroy this. Oh deck. my god! Um, all right, so man, there's there's just so much. Like I don't even know where to start. Um, with this, to be honest with you. So like the the thing I like least about this deck is just the seemingly lack of focus or any theme whatsoever like i i feel like it, it's one thing to play good stuff in like a combination of of colors but you have access to every card in the game and i, and I noticed in, you wrote in your notes you you wanted to like put some pet cards in here and you know i see some eric staples i see like mystic remora sylvan library um you know marari's wake but I, i'm getting there i'm getting there they're Eric, they're Eric classics, I feel like. And it's like, you know, that's cool. That's cool and all. But then we got, uh, Voren Clicks? Hello? <laughs> um, Expropriate? My man's trying to take four, four extra turns or steal some permanents. Um, Shieldred? Slightly tilting card. And formerly, uh, up until it was banned, uh, Iona. So, if you're playing a monocolor deck... Sorry, you're you're not having any fun uh, th this round. Oh, was that why that's in the sideboard? I was wondering yeah. why that was over there. I was like, you better not be thinking about that card. I actually <laughs> forgot it was banned. I was like, you you better not put that card in your deck. It was in there. That is why uh, what Eska got of the tree oh. is in there. She was the yeah. Sub. See, I remember okay. Iona vividly because she got me real good one day when I was playing Itali. This was like my first run of Itali. It is quite a shocker that she got the guy who plays mono yeah. red. A lot yeah, of yeah. Well, how, how would you like it, Mr. Yeah. Toshiro? Okay, I'm not here to roast you. Um, <laughs> so then, okay, so then you, Next you got week. these cards, like, or Vornclex, expropriate. But then, like, there's a couple cards in there I saw, I was like, did, did you put these in there because they're so bad that you needed to, like, offset the, like, WTF, like, creature includes? Like, why is Telling Time in here? And, like, Relic of Progenitus, that... <laughs> like, are, are these the pet cards? Like, I, I totally didn't realize. So, like, my question is, like, where is where is the cool stuff at? And I know everyone's got, like, an opinion of what is cool, but, like, you have, again, you have access to every card in the game, and you put, like, Eldrazi in the deck? Like, I, I can understand <laughs> that maybe Eldrazi for, like, a Joyrun deck, where it's like, oh, I only got two colors, you know, I gotta put some big, like, colorless guys in here. But there's... There's, you, you have access to everything in the game, and you just picked, like, the most vanilla, like, good stuff, tilting, like, Rhystic Study, Cyclonic Rift cards to put in the deck. So, that's that's where I'm at. I mean, <laughs> um... No, I think that's totally I, I'd, lo I'd love for someone else to uh, take, take, a, take over while I cool off here. I have many a thing to say, but I just want to start off with... 
a statement because it reminded me of our previous one. And you were saying this is one of your favorite decks, Eric. But the thing was, and I know Chev will share this sentiment. I, Oak probably does as well, but Chev explicitly said it to me. Um, you have not played this deck in a long, long time. Uh, but you said it was your favorite. So I, I'm, I'm wondering what the disconnect is there. And I'm almost wondering if... It's because it pisses my friends off. Right, exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to get to because that was one... I had not played our previous one, Dacon, in a while just because I knew that people don't like control sometimes. Um, so I, I was wondering what the deal was there. But I guess uh, that will be the second half of this cast is getting it to a place where I guess you will play it more often. But um, I, once again, I think my biggest gripe with this is similar to Oak. This deck is just so unfocused, like just completely what you look at the list and you're like what what is even happening here a couple things one you're playing all these like you're playing Kozlek Butcher of Truth and like you know Progenitus and then you also just randomly have Elvish Mystic and Telling Time and like why is Ponder in this deck um <laughs> when I when I see something like Joda Immediately, I'm like, okay, so Eric wants to do busted things, and you're like almost half-assing your way into the Timminess, which is should be an insult because you're the ultimate Timmy, so hopefully that cut deep. Um, <laughs> I also just – I don't understand how you've made such like a, an, an easy busted deck so hard to play and so bad. And it's because <laughs> basically this deck either does the most disgusting things – and it's, uh, as Oak said, I guess, tilting, or you basically do nothing. <laughs> I was extremely surprised when I looked at your official list on Moxfield that this deck has 36 lands, uh, because I can remember you getting land screwed with this deck, like, nonstop, just all the freaking time. Good on you for having 36 lands, but considering that your uh, average CMC is about 5, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, maybe you want like 38 or 39. So the other thing is, like you were saying, you want to basically hit omniscience and then, then you win. But like, that is, that is one card. You have no tutors in this deck and basically otherwise you don't do anything. And another thing is that this deck relies way too heavily on Joda, I think. So I, I think when we get to the second half of this cast, I might try and do a similar thing to what you did to me last time and propose that we uh, alter the commander or at least heavily change the game plan because an easy way for this deck to not do anything, and I know because I have tested this theory out uh, in-game, is just never let Eric untap with Joda. If he never untaps with Joda, he will never do busted things. I feel like a jerk because I'm basically eliminating you from playing magic and you feel terrible because you're not playing magic. But otherwise I just get omniscience comboed and I'm like, well now I feel terrible. Um, so it, it, it's, it's unfortunately, it's kind of a, you know, do you want Scylla or do you want Charybdis in terms of uh, that sort of thing? And then even sometimes you'll hit omniscience or you'll hit mewing or whatever. And then you'll just draw into a bunch of lands or you'll draw into your stupid freaking birds of paradise or whatever. And you're like, all right, well, I just did all this stuff and now I don't win. So, and then we're like, all right, well, you know, fuck you. Now, now we kill you. That's it. Um, I don't know that I've ever lost a game where I have resolved both omniscience and bloom yoing, but I've definitely lost games where I've only resolved one. Right. But once again, that's another thing is that like, you can't, you can't just have your deck 
be like, well, if I, if I get both of these 10 mana cards, <laughs> these 10 mana cards in my hand, and then I can also cast at least one of them, because once you get Omniscience out, it doesn't matter, right? But that that's not a that is not a viable way to plan the deck. So I have a lot of I, uh, deck construction criticisms and things that I think we'll address later, but I, I'm going to leave my, my salt. I'm going to curb my salt for now and, and hand it over to Chev. Eric, the neglect you've given this deck is criminal. It's less fun to roast something that hasn't seen like any updates in the last two years. And the only reason there is a recent card in an Essica is because you opened it during the pre-release. And it feels kind of like we're kicking something that's already down. Like, it seems like you don't care about this deck at all anyway. So, like, what do our opinions matter? But, you know, maybe maybe there's more to that, you know? Because there's, there's this talk in the Magic community of, like, the modern fire design. And it's caused more and more recently printed cards uh, to replace the staples that we grew up loving when we started Commander back in the day of 2015, so long ago. And you see people that are going over their decks now and they're like, wow, you know, 20% come from the last two years. Uh, 30% of the cards come from the last two years. But, you know, good for Eric and his stubborn refusal to play anything that was printed later than January 2018. The most recent other card in there is Zakama from Rivals of Ixalan. And, you know, you've got to respect that. Go go you for choosing Explosive Vegetation over Migration Path, or not including the World Tree, or Golos, or any of the other things that really care about the number of colors you play. You found a way to, like, take a mechanic and just kind of phone it in, as we've talked about before. Um, and, and so it makes me think, like, you know, we, we've talked recently about, like, oh, we could go back in time and play these decks that we grew up with and, you know, see the differences over it. You don't have to change anything. This thing is like a 2018 prodigy and just throw that out there and we can hit the time capsule. And, you know, some of what, what Julian has talked about, like with either you play stuff or you don't, Joda seems like the kind of deck that walks into a casino and puts it all on black. Either, you know, he lands and reduces the cost of your ridiculous curve or he doesn't and threats have to come out at nine plus mana organically. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Like I have a deck that's literally devoted to coin flipping. <laughs> but all I'm saying is if you want to play it risky, there are way more interesting ways to do it. Chev, I, I hate to interrupt your rant because you're, you're really, you're killing it. Your tirade is phenomenal, but your, your metaphor falls a little short because J Joda is technically all five colors. So he would bet it all on black and on red, and then they'd have to kick him out because he'd keep insisting that there's also a white, a blue and a green color on the wheel. But that would assume that he would at least break even. In this case, he's either doing great or he's not. So he couldn't put it all on every color because then he would just come away with the same amount of money. Which I guess you could make an argument for. He's just sitting there spinning his wheels while nothing else goes on. And then I think to something that Oakley mentioned earlier, like there's a lot of, you know, the generic threats on here. And so I think Eric really has on lock the ability to go on Scryfall, type in CMC is greater than or equal to eight, sort by EDH rank, and then just copy paste the top 20 results. That would have saved me and so much time. I didn't know you could sort by EDH rank. <laughs> <laughs> I do it all the time. So learning experience. But... No one can deny that, you know, with Joda, including everything from Progenitus to Emrakul, it's it's a decent amount of top-end threats. And uh, like Oak, I have so many questions about every other card in the deck. It's like the crust, beautiful. You look from the top, it's like, I'm going to hate playing against this. But then everything else is just rotten. Like, yeah, okay, why is Skullwinder in here over Eternal Witness? Why is Rites of Flourishing in here? Like, I get you're trying to get mana, but there are so many better things you can do, as we have witnessed as a playgroup, than give everyone access to double mana. 
it just doesn't seem like the right move. And so you've got all these random pieces in there that's like, you did the first half, and then you realize the assignment was due in 20 minutes, and you're like, shit, uh, three mana or less, that'll even out the curve. Uh, speaking of mana, this uh, this land base has to be one of the most just like cobbled together, what do I have in my trade binder right now, land base of all time. Like we're... Eric, you said that you have a real job now. You, that you're, you've been busy because you've been you've been punching that time card. Uh, use a results. little bit of that cash to I don't know, just invest in like some triomes. You, you're playing five colors here. You need to produce as many colors as possible per land drop, and uh, you shouldn't be playing cards like Botanical Sanctum. You're not playing an aggro deck. You're playing cards that cost ten freaking mana. It doesn't matter. If they come in untapped on turn one, two, or three. At least pay for some color proxies. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> for real. We're we're in the we're in the we're in the age of you know playing online, playing VDH. You we don't mind if you're like, I wanna include all ten shocklands. That's fine. Like that's go ahead. Put the triomes in there. Put the freaking cons trilands in there. Like it does you know, it doesn't matter as long as as long as you have all the colors you need on turn five untapped, you're fine. Turns one, two, three, and four, sure, don't do anything. But like, geez, buddy, what, what, what is this? It seems like you know. A couple weeks ago, we saw. Um, I'm not sure you were there for it, uh, Eric, but Oakley unveiled this Karanos clone deck. And you know, the idea of a clone deck being like, "Ooh, I see you have cool stuff. I am going to just copy that and make my own." And I think nothing else describes this deck better than like you tried to cut out the middleman and were like, what if I just put all the cool stuff in a deck by itself, but with no real connection between any of the pieces? Like you've got the Titans, you've got everything, but like the clones cost four less mana. And if you're just trying to play the coolest stuff ever, um, one, you can play way cooler stuff, but two, like there's are so many better ways to do it. And so it just leaves me wondering why. Like, there's so many things about this that it makes Joda seem like an aggressive gambler who can't get his life together and has enough money in his pocket for, like, a Snickers bar, and that's about it. Chev, you and your metaphors, like, calling Dakon the, the alcoholic uncle, Joda's, Joda's the compulsive gambler, like, homeless person, like, what? <laughs> Does anyone have anything else they would like to add? Oh, yeah, okay, okay I'm not, I ain't done yet. Um, okay. Oh, I just want to say oh, shit. that, so Julian touched on this before about replacing the commander. Um, you know, I was looking through the five color list of commanders and I feel like there's probably about like six or seven in here that could just as easily take the helm as opposed to Joda. I mean, like if we're talking how like generic this deck is overall, like Golos, I mean, obviously she would, um, Kenrith, maybe Ramos. That, that's a pretty easy way to cast like a lot of really big spells. I uh I might I might actually disagree on that point. I think he can be uh replaced, but I don't I don't think it's that easy. Uh but maybe maybe we'll talk about that when we talk about uh Essica? Rudy constructing this deck. Gigantha? Gigant dude, all right, okay. Gigantha is bad. <laughs> it's a bad card. You don't have Gigantha in this though. deck, do you? No. It right, it good. wasn't printed in twenty eighteen, as Jeff pointed out. True. You probably should just because you just tap that bitch, and you're like, all right, that's, well, that's just another, that's your ultimate mana dork right there. Take out Elvish Mystic. What is this? <laughs> Why ramp one mana when you can ramp a full card? So we just, we just crossed 20 minutes. Do we, is the salt flowing enough, boys? Are we, are we going to let Erica speak for himself and rebut? I think we should. Or is he still Otherwise, in the timeout? if we go pen? longer, he's going to forget what he wants to say, like Julian did. Legit, legit. All right, Eric, you have the floor. All right. Um, I gotta be honest, I agree with a large part of what y'all said, and Chev, the reason this deck 
I, I want to address this first because th- this is what actually, of anything y'all said, hurt the most was that I had forgotten about this deck and that I don't like it and that I only half care about it. Because I do really love this deck and I love the plan behind it. I just think that in 2018, I was way worse at deck building. These were the cool cards that existed at that point in time. And also, I think that to some extent, like I've taken this and I've played it with like my college play group. I've played it with uh, some other people who were local in my area. And one time I played it and some dude at the table just like super hard targeted me with like a really aggressive deck, just straight off the gut and just killed me immediately. And I was like, hey, like why? Like I, I was having kind of a slow game. Like I wasn't getting a lot of mana out. Jota wasn't really surviving. Like, is there any reason why you targeted me like that? And he's like, oh, I hate that deck. I have no fun when you play it. And then I pretty much put away the deck for Sounds like those guys don't play removal. Um, well, he played player removal and just killed me. Which works just as well. It's just less fun for me. (laughs) Um, and so, like, I, I sort of took that feedback of like, all right, no one likes this deck. Someday I'll get back to it. And then, you know, there's been a lot of cool new cards. So I've been looking at cool new cards instead. Or, like, going back to the Marath deck, which is an even older forgotten stepchild that I love very much. Uh, so that's that's the main thing on that, is that I do love this deck, I just haven't had the time for it to make it fun. Um, and I, I largely agree with all of you guys, this is a super feaster or famine deck. I legitimately, you guys are right whether or not you realize it, a lot of the pet cards are Telling Time and Skullwinder, where I'm like, this is a funny meme, and no one's going to get mad when I play this. Whereas, the rest of the time, I'm looking at a hand, and it's like, 8-drop, 8-drop, 8-drop that everyone hates, fucking Void Winner, where Julian's least favorite card in Magic. <laughs> and I'm like, alright, let me hit Julian with a Skullwinder, get him back something that he wants, then... Oh, get me back an even converted mana cost card. <laughs> yeah, get me back an even converted mana cost card, <laughs> then let me hit him with the Void Winner. Um... Uh. And so, like, obviously there are some less than optimal cards in here. My goal for this deck is ultimately for it to be sort of themeless five-color good stuff. Like, I want to play all of my favorite cards that are all super big and super busted. I I know Oakley called this out in the cards that are not my pet cards, but I love Varinclex. I was, I believe, the first one to play a Praetor in our group, as we've discussed. And that man, that guy just fucks. Straight up. I'll, I'll admit he's not a fun card. But hopefully if I play Verinclex, I win. I think this deck is inherently suffers the problems of, in order for a card to be 8 mana or more and good, it has to do unfun things. And Jota really only profits when you're playing cards that are that large. I could play cards that are big and bad, or I could play cards that are big and not fun, but like I, I really had trouble finding that middle ground, and that's why there's all the shitty 3CMC or less cards. And so if you guys have ideas of ways to fix that, that is my biggest concern, is, like, creating fun where I had trouble making it. Julian, what's up? All right, well, let's, 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 start, let's start the Rebirth, because I, I do have some ideas. I think, I think this deck currently is in, like, the worst spot in terms of where its game plan is, just because I feel like we've talked about this before. We've reached a point at a playgroup where we can kind of play on all parts of the spectrum. We've even dabbled so far in... Uh, just as like proxying up CDH decks. And we've also played a bunch of really bad decks just because we wanted to try something out. Um, I think this deck is at the point where it's playing a lot of these unfun cards. So when you get it to work, it really sucks for the rest of the table. But it's not 
bad enough that it can be played at a table with um, our weakest you know, decks. fours and fives. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think what you actually want to do with this is I think you need to either go like kitchen table Timmy or you need to actually tune this deck up a little bit more so that it's more consistent in getting to the busted stuff that you want to do and then from there closing the game quickly. Because I don't mind if you have a really good draw, you do the thing and either you're resilient enough to get through interaction or we just didn't happen to draw our interaction and you win and it's whatever. It's like a half hour game or whatever. That's fine personally for me. You know, just like we've mentioned before, like I don't I don't care if I get Kiki combo or whatever, you know, as long as I was able to play a little bit of magic and then we're fine. We're going to the, I mean, I see you, Oak. I see you, but, um, but like this, this kind of sandwiches, (laughs) this, this weird middle ground where it's just like, Oh, Joe does not doing anything. Like I feel bad for beating up on Eric or I didn't get to do anything because Eric just got the God draw. But then also it takes like a really long time for you to win because you're just like, all right, well, let me draw my whole deck. Let me play all my cards. Oh, but they don't have haste. Shoot. All right. Uh, So I'll wait. And then next turn I'll attack. But maybe I was only able to kill two players and they're still like that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think this might be where you have to cut some of those pet cards. I have told you many times that I think telling time is a horrible card. It's Um, one of the worst. I think you tune it a little bit. I think maybe you make sure that you're ramp package is a little bit tighter uh maybe put in a tutor or two depending on how you're feeling i think you pick your favorite and the most potent timmy cards tune this up so that basically once joda's out we're good we're paying like double wooberg and we're we're basically getting there or someone's going to stop us and we'll die in the crackback which is just the nature of higher level decks like that i just want to confirm before we sort of go any further would everyone be all right if I made this like a super high or like high end of our power level deck? I probably wouldn't even include combo with it because I think that this deck would do better without combo. Most combos you don't want to spend like 10 mana for and Jota like Wooberg twice is like probably the end goal of this, like Julian said. I mean, I'd, I'd certainly be okay with it, but I think that with Jota as a commander, it doesn't lend itself as much to trying to be as aggressive and high level as possible. Because as soon as Jota hits, it's going to be killed. Like, if someone has a way to kill it, they'll see a turn ahead, like, this is going to cause problems, it's going to die. And so I think that that, you know, really makes it harder for it to function at that higher level. Like, I'd love to see it. And maybe, you know, with enough protection and enough of a package, cutting down some of the less awesome Timmy cards to put in just better benefits for playing said Timmy cards. Like, in the beginning, you talked about oh, you know, I want to draw cards off big creatures. Well, I don't see really any way to draw cards off big creatures in that deck. Like, there might be one card, but I think even just a straight-up swap of Rites of Flourishing for Garrick's Uprising, since you are going to be dropping everything that co- that has power for a greater and you're drawing the cards and you're not giving your opponents cards, and things like that where you can really benefit from your stuff. Um, you know, there's there's cards that, you know, for every color of mana, pull stuff in from the graveyard. And like Julian said, adding some of those utilities to meet with a lower number of Timmy cards will be way more effective than trying to cash in on those guys. Because I don't even think there's a lot of recursion in there besides Shieldred. And yeah, I think that's Skullwinder. <laughs> no, Skullwinder. <laughs> but that's, that is that is pretty much it. Uh, Teamer Ascendancy is the main card. Mm-hmm. Teamer Ascendancy and... Uh, that's true. The Mermaid Lady who draws cards equal to the, her power. Prime Streaker's a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
those are the only two that really like are big like car draw engines yeah once again this is you're you're lacking a lot of necessary evils because it's not sexy to play read the bones in your deck right but like it's necessary to get where you need to go and then the other thing is you're saying like oh team ascendancy okay well that's one card out of your 99 um you need a bit more redundancy and -hmm. i think you need to build in these nice uh safe gaps like you're only playing two counter spells and they're i mean depending on how high you want to go with this these are not even the most efficient counter spells that you could play and going back to something i was saying earlier in Going off what Chev was saying, this deck focuses way too much on having Jode out. Where's Fist of Sons? <laughs> Where's the artifact that can do the same thing? Yeah, that's true. The redundancy. Fist of Sons was in the original build of this deck. And I just, every time I drew it, I forget if it was in practice hands or actually like in the physical deck. I was just disappointed because I, if people had enough removal for Jota, they were going to have enough removal for the Fist. I think that's a dangerous thing to assume. Like if they were the same type of card. Like, if they're both artifacts, I would agree. Like, then you're just picking a target. And even then, there's still redundancy. But, I mean, as the deck currently exists, you have Enlightened Tutor in there. uh, As a tutor that can get an artifact or enchantment, boom, gets you Fist of Sons. Uh, Fist of Sons is out. It would require, you know, artifact or enchantment removal to get rid of, while Jota requires creature removal. So I think it's, like, there's no card that does all three. I mean, well, I guess there is in white and black exile target permanent. Um, But... It, redundancy of the effect that is trying to drive your entire deck is better more often than it's not even if a couple times you end up with a piece in hand that's like oh i already have joda out no one seems to be able to do anything this is redundant that is far less likely the case than joda being killed repeatedly commander tax getting too high and you still don't have enough lands on the battlefield to be casting um a dawn a bringer of the dawn you know hard mm. no th- that that makes a lot of sense i think that there's redundancy would do this deck well and especially like in in that scenario where you know i've drawn fist of sons joda has stuck on the battlefield for like a full turn cycle if i've untapped with joda and have fist of sons in my hand oh no i've untapped with joda like the first half of that sentence is so much more important than one dead draw exactly yeah yeah the other thing is you have like no ways to protect joda in this deck you have those two counter spells um and then you have lightning greaves i think i think the biggest thing about this deck if you want to maintain joda as your commander is you need to play protect the castle on him because he basically enables your whole game plan we've already established that you've either had color inconsistencies and issues or just straight up having the lands that you need mana screw whatever you want to call it inconsistencies so Unless you have Jota out, you're not playing Nicol Bolas Planeswalker. Uh, you're not playing Ashen Rider. You're not playing Avacyn Angel of Hope. Basically ever. Um, so, I mean, you need the boots. You need uh, heroic intervention probably. You need all these things that are going to make sure that Jota can stick around for a full turn cycle. Uh, so that you can get value off of them. Because otherwise, Jota is too much of a lightning rod. Even if I don't come through and kill it, someone else is going to kill it before it gets to your turn because it's just too much of a threat. It is the best removal target on the table whenever it's on the table. Almost always. Yeah, I think the only thing that I would kill before that is Vorinclex. But like, if you've already gotten <laughs> Vorinclex out, I, I think we we already have established that there's a problem. <laughs> That's fair. Something I think I'd like to see out of the deck are good cards that are like unique and like interesting. Something I like tried to emphasize is just like 
these are just like these are kind of like generic but like it's being a deck where you have access to all five colors you could play like any ultimatum that you wanted to for example and i mean like that's a great point yeah like emergent ultimatum would be sick you can get all three meowins that i think you have in this deck or like one of the bringers and it'd be like pick two meowins boys um and that's only seven mana like you, you can cast that even without you know jota on the battlefield um ruinous ultimatum would be a sick board wipe and you could i mean you could pretty much play all of them except the jeskai one that one sucks it's still not bad though um it's not bad but there's better stuff for seven right. mana in a eternal yeah. format going off of going off of oak's point i think one of the things that would be really nice to see from this deck um is uh not a theme but a sub theme so you're like okay i'm joda i'm cheating mana cost but all of my i'm playing like a bunch of 10 mana plus eldrazi or something or i'm playing joda and like my hidden achievement or whatever is to get to cast a bunch of ultimatums off this or you know whatever or i only want to play eight mana planeswalkers or not only but you know just having like this kind of sub grouping of cards to kind of give it a little bit more identity as opposed to just well i'm playing vorinclex and i'm playing avacyn and i'm playing you know emrakul yes these are all high impact very powerful cards but there's just something about having that sort of coherency to the deck that is just more appealing at least to me and oak and i'm, I'm assuming chev as well um, chev's the so, man of themes it you gotta know it's a right. theme too hard there's got to be more themes considering i was roasting julian for that last time yeah. i didn't feel like i could go for a two-peat uh with these generic unfocused it decks. was in the subtext of everything you said was this deck has no theme it needs a theme <laughs> there's just something uh really like just looking at your list there's something really chaotic and disordered about the cards you're including and i, I just need like that slight OCD in me is just kind of like, it needs something to sort of tie it together. So if you were just like, okay, well I'm playing all 10 ultimatums or I'm playing X, Y, Z or whatever. Um, just kind of get a little binding thread through things. And, um, Oak was also mentioning, uh, emergent ultimatum. And that just got me thinking that like, there are so many stupid as stupid in a good way, I should say. Um, and really high costing cards that you have missed out in these last, uh, three years. So I think <laughs> yep. that's going to be a huge part of this. Should this thing those. is just go to Scryfall, just be like, it's going to be like Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Just the last few years, like what, what has, what, what costs like seven and above uh, or probably eight and above. That's another thing that is a side point. I, I think you need to decide kind of like where you're actually getting your value from Joda. Cause like, do you, re does it really, is it worth it to like put a six drop in here? that you would cast because you get like one man or even some seven drops, depending on how powerful uh, I, th I feel like eight is where you really start to hit that, that discount. But that that's neither here nor there. I, I was going to say, I, th I think that point is dead on for most of them. Like cigar to host of Herons just like, doesn't need to be in this deck. Like that, that card is just like fine at best. It's five mana. Joda literally can't cheat on it. In fact, she makes it just harder to play or he makes it just harder to play. But like prime speaker Zagana at six mana, I think is absolutely worth it. Just because, like, if you got a, if you, even if you just have Jota, it's six mana, five, five, draw five. Right. Yeah. And that's something that you'll have to. It provides other utility. Yeah. You'll have to kind of work that out as you go through, like, what's, what's worth it and what's not. But I think that is something that you should consider because there's some cards I was looking through here and I was like, I don't really know if that's what I want to be dedicating my, uh, my mana advantage to with this ability that Jota provides.
So one thing that I, I uh, want to touch on is, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, the theme of the deck. And one of the things that we also discussed is for Joda to be effective, of course, you need Wooburg available in mana. And that's something that you might struggle with, particularly by turn five, to get all five colors out, since that is necessary to kind of get to the next step of playing these cards. And so in recent years, um, we've seen some stuff, but also, you know, from years past, like being five color gives you access to kind of this niche of cards of all five colors that could be super useful here. Um, one of the more recent ones, of course, is the World Tree, where as soon as you have like five lands, I think it is, all lands tap for any color, which is like super awesome. And there is the tutor effect to get gods. Um, you could choose to do some, something with that or not, but even by itself, it's a free um, chromatic lantern. And then we have things like All Sun's Dawn, which five mana, go to the graveyard, pick a card of every color, bring it back to your hand. Uh, Gigantha was mentioned as a way to kind of tap for all five colors. In that same vein, Ramos as one of the 99, considering you play one five-color card, that's five 1-1 one, one counters, um, and then I can't remember how many it is to remove, but considering removing 1-1 one, one counters from Ramos gives you Wooburg itself two times over, that allows you to play two cards, and that's not even touching your mana. And since a lot of these cards are multicolored at that higher level, besides the Eldrazi, which is kind of a non-bow, um, you can really take advantage of these kind of counter generation. Uh, other cards like Nyx Bloom Ancient that could kind of really get you the mana should Jota get destroyed and then all of your lands are tapping for three times as much, all, uh, which, you know, obviously is super good when you're trying to play 10 mana stuff. Or even even if you're just like really focusing on cheating stuff out, Maelstrom Angel. Cast anything from your hand for free, similar vein to being able to cast anything for one of any color. Really anything that can help you if you're stuck in a lock where you don't have access to five colors. Because again, like while we might target Joda, we could also, I could see a Terrastodon hitting the field. You have one way to generate red mana. That's what we take out. And now Joda is effectively worthless for the benefit of cheating these creatures into play. So having the kind of redundancy here, this is partly brought up because I was playing last night. I had four lands. Julian killed one of them. The card I just tutored that cost four mana then stuck, sat in my hand for 10 turns. Uh, but, you know, these are things that are really worth thinking about because we've talked about before, sometimes you do get mana screwed and the mana base can be improved, but there are other cards you can bring in that really help you out. Even, like, freaking Chromatic Orrery from um, Core 21 mm. um, makes mana tap for any color, tap it for five mana, um, draw cards for colors among permanents you control. Like, that's just an insanely... It's a fat rock. But, you know, you get the benefit from Jota to play it out, and then you're instantly being able to play more spells and draw off of their uh, play. I have a question. How many of these cards are in your notes? Because all of these suggestions I immediately recognize as great, so I, I should just start adding them. <laughs> I, I did write some of these down. I was looking like, you know, if, if we're playing a deck that's five color, and if it feels thematically empty... Like, maybe the theme is the fact it's five color. Like, I know uh, Budget Commander has a deck that's six CMC tribal, and so everything is six CMC or up. But, like, here, you know, you can really benefit from these cards that only work with all five colors that I constantly am staring at. Like, I wish I could make work in a different context, but this is the perfect home for Jacantha, Ramos, Maelstrom Angel, etc. Yeah, I actually thought of a couple cards exactly in that same vein. Um... Maelstrom Nexus, zero bias whatsoever, but, you know, Wooburg Enchantment, that lets you just cascade off every spell you play, or, sorry, the first spell you play each turn. And um, the spell Conflux, which is like an eight-mana Wooburg oh, Woo yeah. Woo yeah. plus three, yeah, two. Was that already in there? I, I totally, I might have missed that. I don't think it okay. is, but it's sick. It should be. I, it I, should, should be, be, yeah. I've looked at it a lot yeah. and been like, 
oh, this could be cool. Yeah. But yeah. It's expensive, but, you know, you play with Joda, and then that's five cards for also, five mana. Also, to, to replace all those, like, really small, like, kind of ass, you know, like, two or three <laughs> CMC cards, how about, like, every charm ever printed, you know? Like, they're all, like, modal abilities. Like, it's like, oh, I, I need a draw spell. Well, I could put in, like, uh, what, Abzan charm, and that's, like, Okay, I draw two, pay two, nice. Or I could, like, I think that exiles, like, a creature with power three or greater as well. So it's just like, okay, yep. sick, mm -hmm. removal. And, you know, a lot of them have things like that. Uh, I think, like, the teamer one can, like, counter a spell, so it's like, oh, sweet, protection for Joda, and it's like... I think we highly rated the Saltai yeah. charm in our uh, review. Yeah, that, that might be I really thing. like the idea Definitely. of the theme being cycles. So it's, you know, it's all ten charms from, like, Khan's block. Mm -hmm. Yeah, make use of your colors, man. You got them. Don't don't play. I mean, Eldrazi are great, but like you've got access to everything. I don't know why, but I think there was some amount of spite in the original deck creation because I just look at these and I'm like, I know these are cards people think are toxic, and like I knew they were toxic before I built this deck. Why did I put this in there and think it wouldn't be toxic? <laughs> like, what was wrong with me, dude? It was that it's it's that Timmy part of your brain that's just like. This card boom, costs boom. 10 mana, and it's a 13-13. We have to play it. It doesn't matter that it, you know, does X, Y, Z. Yeah. I wonder what 10-mana uh, 13-13 you could be... Oh, no, it's 13-mana 13-13. Well, it's, it's generally 10-mana. Whatever though, it is, I'm in love with cost it. cost reduction. It doesn't matter that it you mind slave or someone. Yeah, it's like, whatever. Eric, I want to see um, Guided Passage in the next iteration. Like, oh no, that's a great suggestion. All right. Yeah. I have been envious every time you play that card. <laughs> I was gonna say, don't although I do like the charms, I don't think you should stretch yourself super thin, especially since you're not gonna get a reduction on those with Joda. Mm -hmm. From playing that that Niv Mizzet Reborn deck a few times, um, I can tell you that when everything is just like all of a sudden all colors of mana, it can actually just like really mess up mess you up even if you do have like a bunch of multicolored lands so i don't know if i would go that far i'd say pick like a, a few of your favorites just for utility uh, but i wouldn't go that crazy but guided passage 100 percent has to be in that deck that is a sick card and see that's the card that when you play it and you target me i'll be like all right like i know that you just played elish norn last turn but like all right i'm down for the guided passage <laughs> we're cool we're cool for now you know we should record that and let the situation play out and see how Julian feels. I feel like it'll go different. He's got to be playing a token deck when I do it, just just to really send the message of the election. Oh yeah, I'll be I'll be playing the uh, the protector of Bredegard deck and I'll just get totally hosed. It'll be fine. That is another thing is that you could do like a eh, maybe not. I was gonna say maybe you could try and do like a weird sort of friendly politics or like group hug deck with this, uh, but I don't know if that would work. I, I will say yeah, I think I don't th I don't think it's worth it. I think things like uh, Kami of the Crescent Moon, like uh, Rights of Flourishing, and I think you had another like group huggy card in here. I think you got to take all that out. Like I think this deck has to be, like I was saying at the beginning, Ruthless. you got to you got to tune this deck up and make it. Mm -hmm. it it's got to be we're 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 doing the things and we're doing them now. You know, not none yeah. of this. Yeah, either either you're going cute. hard or you're not. But there's no reason to give your opponents more cards or let them tap for more mana. Yeah, with which to stop you. It seems like you took a Kyranos base and just threw it together with the cards you want to play. That's fair. One thing I want to say is just like first off, I'll sort out lands by myself. I know what lands are good. My brain is just slow. And I, when I brought this over to Moxfield, I even looked at it and I was like, botanical sanctum. Interesting choice. <laughs> and then just kind of moved on. Oh, I mean, I guarantee you just opened one in a pack and you were like, yo, this is a rare dual land. I'm putting it it's in. It's a dual land. Boom. Yeah. yeah. It cost $10 at the time when it was in standard. For but real. It was hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but multiple of you were like, hey, Jonah is just not the best commander for this deck. I think that he still might be, but I would be interested to hear other pitches for, like, Ramos, I can understand the pitch for why he's a better commander, because, good God, look at that giant metal dragon. What a chad. He's a giant metal dragon, but of course, like, then you need to be playing cards prior to him getting out there. So I feel like for what you want to do, I, I'm still Team Jota. Like, you want to play large stuff at a cost reduction. I don't think there are many other five-color commanders that let you do that. Like, Ramos is great, but you need to be playing these cards. You need to be playing more cards that are multicolored to get the, the bounce up to allow you to play cards. And then even once you get him, then you're not playing things for a cost reduction. You're using his ability to probably play one creature for free, as opposed to if you tutored for him and you have Jota out, you're getting two creatures or two spells for free. So I don't, I don't know if... Ramos is the best commander for a deck that's just trying to run the biggest things possible and have as many of them smash as possible. I think this is a... So I, I pulled up the five color commanders on EDHREC.com. This is something that we've talked about a lot, but I think that this is part of the the five color conundrum is that, oh, you get all five colors, but your commanders all kind of... They're just like, oh, we just kind of do generic good things, you know? There's not really anything to guide you. I think that, I guess, in that remark, Joda is one of the better ones because he's just like, he's just like, no, we're just going to cheat. We're literally just going to cheat. We're just going to short the stock this whole time. That's all we're getting. Like, it doesn't matter. At least he mm-hmm. gives you, like, that sort of idea. But um, other things that I'm seeing that you could do, I think for me, one of the, even though we totally uh, shit on him, I believe when we were first discussing him, maybe, maybe Chev back like uh, almost a year ago when we like did like our M20 set review uh, talking about Golos. Is that like, oh, he's a five color guy that like does five color yeah. things. But if you're just trying to do the play big things, cheap mana, whatever. He's a solid plan B. He ramps you. So he gets you closer to just being able to cast things for, for normal when you, you know, he inevitably gets killed or whatever. He's colorless. So you don't have to worry about mana requirements. Um, and he will get you whatever land, so he can grab you one of those triomes that I think you need to put in. That gets you a bunch of colors. Mm. And then the other thing is, you're not paying just five to play something. You're paying seven, Wooberg plus two, but you get to exile the top three, and you can play all of them. So it's random, obviously. You don't know what you're going to get, um, but it gets you a bit more. And you could do interesting things depending on how far you want to divert deck construction, I guess. And you could be like, oh, well, I'm going to play things that like tutor the top or like stack my top or whatever, and then use Golos to like get like that triple threat off the top. So that's interesting. Um, and then I think Ramos is also very good just for the sheer amount of mana that you could generate, especially when you're playing these huge three and four color uh, generals. And I think you could even make an argument to play Essica as your commander as well. Um, obviously it's only one cheaty thing per turn, but it's just a, a consistent source of a uh, card advantage, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with, I think Golos of all of those things. Like it is, it is a fun card to like make fun of mostly because I have bad memories of field of the dead and standard. Um, but it, it is a really good, like unique effect. It adds a little bit of like randomness. And I mean, like, I don't know. Like, like the Nails from Wander just like ripping cards off the top. But you know what? When every, when every, it might be random, but when every card of your deck is good, it doesn't really matter that it's random. Also, I, yeah. I feel like an ability like this as compared to Jota's really justifies um, playing those like unique spells in like the six to seven mana range. Like, as I was saying, all the ultimatums, because it's just like, uh, I'm sure you're paying seven, but you could rip like up to like, you know, three of those um, if you wanted to. 
And yeah. The one thing I will say in honor of uh, Golos, Eric, of course, you've mentioned your pet t- card before. Well, I wonder what time it is, you know, when you're uh, when you're <laughs> dropping Golos. Uh, Telling Time is a terrible card for <laughs> card advantage, but of course it puts one on the top of your library of the top three. You draw one and put one on the bottom. Boom. You've, you've set the top of your deck. Forget the fact that you would have been able to cast it already, but now you know for sure it's in there. And that can make you feel a little better. All right, listen. Let me let me just let me just float an idea out for you. One of my favorites back from when I was playing my L days, uh, Congregation at Dawn. It's an instant, so you can hit it on the end step. Be sneaky. Be sort of like a control mage, and you can tutor for up to three creatures and put them on top of your deck. Boom. Uh, and then you just upkeep Rip Golos. That's a pretty easy way to just slam a Vorinclex and an Emrakul and a Bringer onto the field at once. That's all I'm saying. All right. Allow me to hit you with two things one i think golos is just better than joda the more i think about it the more i'm like damn this card is just straight up an upgrade um two what if the theme of the deck was villains just villains from magic's history we've got great villains we got the praetors we got the eldrazi we got nicobolus all of these are very expensive You'll have no friends very bad um, men but they're certainly not doing good things. See, you said I'll have no friends, so now I know that this is a bad theme. <laughs> and they're villains for a reason, and their cards reflect that. I mean, <laughs> no. if, if you thought Joda died early before, when the theme is, I'm going to play cards that make you sad, it's going to die a whole lot quicker. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I'm just trying to come up with... No, I mean, I, I think it would be fun to try, but... I think you could run a villains package. If you run, like, Shieldred, Vorinclex, uh, you know, one or two of the Eldrazi Titans, plus uh, Nicobolus Planeswalker I see in here, like, I feel like that's that's safe right there. That's, what, five or six cards? Uh, that's reasonable. I'm pretty much already running that, so I, I want to commit to a theme a little more than that, so I'll, I'll, I'll take a look around, maybe look at some of the new Strixhaven art that references Kozilek, um, some other things that are perhaps alluding to villains, um, and see see what I can do with that. But uh, pop a poll on Twitter. Yeah. See what the people think. You know what are like super expensive cards that you could play with this to you know get your your money's worth is a uh, all those uh, Kamigawa spirits. Those things cost nine. That that would you know those cards are terrible, Julian. They're legitimately awful. I have played an entire deck of them. That is some of the least fun, simultaneously the most fun I've had playing Magic is playing those garbage creatures and being like, haha, it's a 12-mana 8-8 that does almost nothing. Listen, you're telling me that a 12-mana 8-8 that uh, searches your library for a spirit and when it dies also searches your library for a spirit isn't Timmy? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, that's, that's like Timmy. The most Timmy thing I've that's ever heard. That's pure Timmy. Exactly. But, Put it in the deck. But we can go harder, I think. We can go that's harder. That's true. We can go harder. We can um, go harder. Yeah, I, I I really like sort of the, the new lease on life that this deck is potentially going to get uh, after I revamp it. Maybe I will drop a poll on Twitter and just say, hey, what theme would you like to see? And maybe I'll throw out some suggestions of my own. Pop some ideas out there. I, I think that this deck can get a lot better and will get a lot better. I just need to like, I need to find things that are... You need to have an intimate candlelight dinner with this deck and really figure out some things in your relationship. Yeah. But on the plus side, that's that's Julian saying you should have an intimate candlelight dinner while we were telling his deck to take it out back and have a conversation with Dakon. And so we're already in a better place. Yeah. Well, I'm just nicer than you guys are, so f*** you. I mean, hey, listen. <laughs> I think that this deck is going to have 
more shared DNA with its original form than Dakon did. Dakon looks like a whole new man in that he's not in the deck and is actually a dragon now. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think Golos will probably have some baseline stigma against it that Jota maybe doesn't. I think people are more people are doing more broken stuff with Golos and also have those Field of the Dead memories than uh, was happening with Jota, but we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll probably brew up some different versions, take some looks, because there's definitely some cards that would be very good in a Golos deck that, you know, probably wouldn't be quite as good in Jota. Like, Brainstorm, Scroll Rack, nuts. Yeah, Scroll Rack's cheap right now. It's still 20 bucks, Ooh. 26 bucks, I think, from its reprinting in Commander Legends. Good timing. I would be happy to uh, review that deck. I'll, I'll, I'll put some time into that. I'm a, I, I, I want to see it at the next game night. That's, what, that's all I'm saying. All right. Well, thank God we're doing things in a different order where game night is not tomorrow and is instead a week <laughs> from today. <laughs> yeah, you got, you got time. You I got, got time. time. I got time. I got Friday off. I'm trying to, trying to take Yo, a little bit of time. Nice, dude. Nice. So, yeah, I'll put some work Relax. in. Relax. Yeah. But it seems as though this roast has ended on a very, very wholesome note and very different from when Jeff was like, you don't care about your cards and you hate your deck. <laughs> that's gen- that's generally how it goes which was seemingly accurate but i i hope that i express that I, I i do have some love for this deck and that i am excited hey 2018 called they want their mythics back oh <laughs> not even 2018 there's only one card from 2018 i checked before that it's dominaria julie the roast is a the roast part is over oh shit the roast <laughs> part was over i didn't get the memo man it's crazy because i'm still like yo Moldrotha, that's like a pretty new card and i'm just wrong you're a grandpa. I'm ancient. I ain't gonna lie. I I don't know if Muldrotha belongs in this deck. Everything you have is so expensive that you're gonna be like, maybe get one card back a turn, and then it immediately gets popped. Um, I think that either I thought or knew that Muldrotha could work with Jota, so I was like, oh, like if I've lost a bunch of important stuff, like I can do like a double Jota turn yeah, for like cast them from the Muldrotha yard, and then whatever. something from the yard. Julian, tell us where they can find us before we go off on another tangent. Woo! Ah, Shiite. Well, if the lovely, lovely listeners want to know the fate of this deck, they're hanging on to our everywhere. They're on the edge of their seats. They want to know what happens. If they want to find out, uh, they can go probably to our website, hexdrinkers.com. That's got basically everything you're going to need. It's got this podcast. It's got videos, articles. It's got everything about the Hex Drinkers. It's got all the contact info. So if you forget anything, hexdrinkers.com, that's where you want to go. Uh, but you can also hit us up on the Twitter, on the Instagram, at Hexdrinkers. Um, we are in the midst of just absolutely loving and uh, fangirling over all of these Strixhaven spoilers. So if you want to talk to us about those, uh, you can go onto those platforms and uh, chat with us about that. Um, you can also go onto YouTube and Twitch, uh, at Hexdrinkers, to see all of our video content. And... Oh, this podcast, of course. You're listening to it, so <laughs> assumedly you've already found it. But if you got to tell your friends about it, you can tell them that they can find it on Anchor.fm, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and wherever better podcasts are found. And yeah, just uh, consume more Hex Shrinkers content. Talk to your friends about it. Um, roast their decks, but like then be nice about it. Like, you know, roast their decks. Tell them what they're doing wrong. Tell them why uh, you hate their deck. But then tell them how they can make it better, how they can make it more exciting, uh, a spicier, and just a... A better brew overall, because that's what that's what we're all about. We're about talking shit, but then making sure at the building end of the day, building better brews. Yeah, making sure at the end of the day that we're having fun playing magic and we're building better brews. Mm. Preach. All right. Well, 
Uh, I am Pastor Jules. Thank you for coming to today's uh, Sunday service. And uh, with that, this has been the Hex Drinkers, Eric Chev and Oak. We're signing out.